word of prayer. Father, we praise you this morning for the truth that we just sang, the truth that no power of hell, no scheme of man can separate us from the love of Christ, from all that is ours in Christ. For you are a faithful God, even to us an unfaithful people. Even as we've sung in the past, the truths that we've sung of Scripture, that, that truly our sins are great, and yet your mercy is more. What hope is ours in Christ? What strength is ours in Christ? In your presence. In the fact that you see us, that you know us. Even today, as we open your word, as we look at Malachi chapter 4, and as your spirit works within us through your word, May we not take for granted the privilege to hear from you. May we be open to your working and your leading in our lives. May you give me boldness and authority to proclaim your truth with clarity. And may you be honored in all that we do this morning. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Malachi 4. Malachi 4. 1 to 6. This morning we'll finish our short journey through the book of Malachi. As we come to the end of Malachi, one thing is, is clear. That the entire book of Malachi stands as a wake-up call to God's people. Wake up! I am, I am your God. I am powerful. I am coming. Here in our passage, this morning comes to a head. And we see the simple truth that He is coming. Therefore, we must be ready. For there are two options. The question is not, is he coming? The question is, when he comes, on which side will you be? Will you face destruction? Or will you face deliverance? Judgment or blessing? And in light of that coming, what is our duty today? So as we work our way through this passage this morning, we'll see destruction, deliverance, and duty. First thing we see in Malachi 4.1 is destruction. Chapter 4 picks up where chapter 3 ends. In fact, chapter 4 is kind of an odd chapter placement because it, it, it flows. It would have almost made more sense just to make the six verses of chapter 4 part of chapter 3. It flows right into it. At the end of chapter 3, we see this book of, of remembrance. And you may remember last week we talked about those who have been faithful, the remnant in Israel. As they've heard Malachi's prophecy. As the Lord has spoken to them through Malachi, this people have gathered and, and these faithful, those who fear the Lord, have, have started to wonder, 
Has God forgotten us? Are we going to be swept away with the rest of the people? You see, they understand that God is coming, and they believe that he is coming, and they see the sinfulness of the nation, of the people, of themselves. They understand. And God comes through Malachi in verses 16 through 18 of of chapter 3, and he says, I remember. I hear you. I see you. I remember you. You will not be forgotten. Rather, they shall be mine, he says in in verse 17. They shall be mine on the day that I make them my jewels, which harkens back to the covenant at Sinai. I've not forgotten you, and I've not forgotten my covenant. I will do this. So come into chapter 4, verse 1. He starts with, Behold. For behold, I've not forgotten you. I am coming. Behold, I am coming. Notice what the first phrase of chapter 4, verse 1 says. For behold, the day is coming. First question that pops into our head is, is what day? What is this day? Obviously, it was a day that, that they understood. So what is this day? It's the day that's referred earlier in chapter 3, verses 1 to 2. The day that's referred to in chapter 3, verse 17. It's the day, as we'll see later on here in chapter 4, the day of the Lord. The day of His coming. This is the day that those who fear the Lord, or those who do not fear the Lord, question if it's even coming. All throughout the book of Malachi, their, their complaint has continually returned to, where are you, God? You say you're just. You say you're coming. Where are you? I don't even know if I believe you're coming anymore. I don't know if I believe that you are just, that you are righteous. Where are you? This last part of Malachi says, I am coming. I am just. I am righteous. And you will see it. It's a day of destruction for those who do not fear the Lord and a day of deliverance for those who do fear the Lord. And in fact, this day that is coming is the day that should define every day. It's the day that should define every single day of our lives as it should have defined every single day of their lives. He said He was coming. And in light of that, should affect every single day of our lives. As we look forward to His coming, as they in this day looked forward to the coming of God that He had promised them, that should have affected them. But it didn't. Because instead of holding fast to the promise that He said, I am coming, they looked around and they said, I don't see it. Where are you? They allowed their circumstances to change their view of God. To change what they believed about God because they didn't see evidence of it in their day, then God must not be faithful. God must not be powerful. God must not really be coming. But the day is coming. It is coming. I am coming. 
He goes on in chapter 4, verse 1, he describes this day. It is coming, burning like an oven. It's not sound like a good description. It's burning like an oven. It is, it is destructive. The idea here is of a fire that consumes. It's not the first time we've seen fire in Malachi. In chapter 3, verses 2 to 3, we're introduced. Again, God's talking about this day, and he says, I am coming. And there he talks about coming as a refiner's fire. Coming to, to refine, to purify. And here he returns that idea of fire, and instead of a, a purifying fire, it's a destructive fire. It's a fire that consumes. What does it consume? What does it destroy? Follow the verse, burning like an oven. And all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. It's not a fire that builds up. This is a fire that till it tears down. All the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, the proud, those who don't fear the Lord, those who boast in themselves. Those, as we saw this week in, in Psalm chapter 20 on Wednesday. Not those who trust in the Lord, but those who do trust in chariots. Those who do trust in horses. Those who do trust in their own strength and their own ingenuity. They're too proud to place their, their faith to trust in the Lord. And all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be doubled. The idea of stubble or, or hay, anything that is easily consumed by fire. Something that is combustible. Something that when it comes into contact with fire, it just it takes off. It destroys. And it leaves nothing behind. But stubble, it tears down. It destroys. And the day which is coming, this day to which I'm referring, shall burn them up. All the proud. All who do wickedly. All those who do not fear the Lord will be burned up. This is total destruction. Total ruin. We work our way through Joshua on Sunday nights, and you may remember as they, as they came to the cities, there were certain cities that they had to conquer that were given to destruction. I don't know if you remember that phrase. The city is given to destruction. And what that meant is they would go in and they would tear the entire thing down. And they would take nothing for themselves. And they would, they would kill, destroy, and burn everything. Not one thing was left alive. Not one thing was left not burned up. And that's the idea here in Malachi 4.1. He is coming. And he is coming in his wrath. He is coming in judgment. He is coming to destroy. And not just to give a slap on the wrist, but to wipe out, to completely destroy.
The day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. The Lord omnipotent. The Lord all-powerful. It's interesting, and we noted last week how when God is talking to those who do fear him, he uses the same name. I am the Lord all-powerful. I'm the Lord who leads the armies of heaven. And how encouraging that is as a reminder when that God is on your side. Or better, when you're on his side. When he is your God, when you trust in him. To rest in the fact that this God in whom I'm trusting is the Lord of hosts. He's the God of all power. He's able to fulfill the promises that he's given me. And yet when you flip the coin, the opposite is true. How terrifying to be the enemy of this Lord of hosts. To have the God of all power set himself against you because you have set yourself against him. How terrifying. Shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. And on that day, that will leave them neither root nor branch. Again, the idea here is total destruction. Completely gone. No hope of restoration. My first job was a grounds crew at Bob Jones University. I was 14 years old, and I was limited in what I could do. I couldn't run any of the chainsaws or the trimmers, or I couldn't drive anything. And so what they had me do was I was the weed picker. They'd find a bed somewhere on campus, and they'd sit me there and give me a bucket and say, we'll be back at lunch to get you, get these weeds. And I remember as I'm sitting there and I'm doing it, and, and, and my first couple days, I would just go real quick, you know, and I'd grab them. And someone came along, the person I was working with, they said, no, you have to be careful. You have to get the roots. Because if you don't, it's coming right back. You're, not, you're just making more work for yourself in the future. Take the time to get it at the roots. Because when there's roots... There's hope. It can come back. It will spring back up. The picture we see here in chapter 4, verse 1, is of no hope. Not just is the branch, not just is the trunk gone. Not just is what you see gone. Does it not just look destroyed? No. This destruction has dug down has ripped out the roots even. There is no hope left. This day is a terrifying day because it is the day in which the Lord of hosts in His wrath will pour out His wrath, His justice on those who deserve it. And it will be final. And it will be complete. This coming day is a day of destruction. And yet, we move to verses 2-3, to we see it's also 
a day of deliverance. It's a day of destruction, and it's also a day of deliverance. Look at verse 2. But, to come to verse 2, there's a shift in focus from those who, who don't fear the Lord, from those who will be destroyed to those who do fear the Lord. But, to you who fear my name, He's still talking to to those that he was talking to in verse 16 through 18. Those in which he promised, I have not forgotten you. And yes, this day is coming. And yes, this day will be a day of destruction. It will be a terrifying day for those who have set themselves against me. But for you, for you who have have put your faith in me, you who fear my name, It will be a glorious day. Because for you on that day, look what the verse goes on to say, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in His wings. The Son of Righteousness. Notice it's Son, S-U-N. Like the sun shining in the sky. All throughout this book, they have questioned, where is the righteousness of God? What is he saying now? He's coming. And on this day, the righteousness of God will shine forth like the sun in the sky. The rays of his healing and of his righteousness will touch on all the earth. His righteousness will shine forth in all its glory like the sun at noon and nothing can hide from His glory. Obviously, the Son of Righteousness is a reference to Christ. To His reign who who will bring this righteousness. But the point here is that the righteousness is coming. It will shine forth. It will dominate the earth. And it comes with healing in His wings. The word healing there is is, is more than just to recover. It's more than just to to cover a wound. But it's complete healing. It's total healing. It's, It's the idea of to be made new. The Son of Righteousness will shine forth and He will bring healing. He'll bring newness. He'll bring restoration. Where those who don't fear the Lord will have no hope on this day. Those who do fear the Lord will have nothing but hope. Healing in His his wings and His rays as the rays of the sun fly out across the earth. So the rays of His healing and of His righteousness will cover the earth with righteousness and healing from the Lord. The contrast between verse 1 and verse 2 could not be more stark. He goes on, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves, like, like young calves. Young calves who've been, who've been kept in the stall. 
in this little tiny area, and, and they've been kept there, and finally the weather's beautiful, and you open it up and let them into these beautiful pastures. And these calves go out, and they're, they're frolicking, they're jumping, they're running. They are thriving. They are full of joy. Full of hope. Verse 3 kind of transitions a little bit again from the hope, from the joy, from the healing and the righteousness of God that will shine forth on this day. Total hope. Verse 3 turns attention, though, to total victory. On that day, you shall trample the wicked. They shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. As you, like a calf, are, are running around and frolicking and jumping, you will be doing it on the ashes of those who did not fear the Lord. Again, it's a vivid picture of the total destruction that is coming. And the hope that is in Christ. The joy that is promised to those who fear the Lord. Again, on the day that I do this. On this day in which we are focusing on. This day that should be the day that affects every single other day of your life. This day that is coming. Again, he uses the same name, says the Lord of hosts. What a contrast. In verse 1, that name brings terror. In verse 3, that name brings joy and hope. So come to verses 4 to 6, then we see duty. You see, this day is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. When His his justice and His wrath will be poured out on the earth, and yet so will His righteousness and glory. And so in light of this coming day, what is my duty now? What should we be doing now with this day in sight? How should that day affect this day? Writing to the Israelites here in verse 4, he says this, Remember the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. So you have to remember Malachi is writing to this people. He's trying to, to wake them up, to shake them out of their apathy, to get them to respond to God. He's written about this day that is coming. And how it will affect those in Israel who do not fear the Lord and those in Israel who do fear the Lord. So verses 4 to 6 is then application. You almost think of Malachi standing before the congregation of the people and saying, all right, this is what's coming. So those of you who don't fear the Lord, what should you do in light of this coming day? Those of you who, who do fear the Lord, do not fear the Lord, and do fear the Lord, what should you do in light of this coming day? And the answer is the same for all of them. 
For those of you who have been fearing the Lord, keep fearing Him. Remember Him. For those of you who don't fear the Lord, start fearing Him. Trust in Him. Remember Him. What is our duty? What is our responsibility? It's to remember the law of Moses, my servant. Your responsibility, Israel, is to be faithful. Be faithful to the covenant that you agreed to. I've been faithful. You be faithful. So I commanded him in Horeb, Mount Sinai. Again, a reference back to the Sinai covenant that's been the subject of this whole book. For all Israel. Statutes and its, its judgments. Be faithful in all of it. Do not grow weary, but be faithful in all of it. So, verse 4, we see law. In verse 5, we see prophet. Remember the law of Moses. And then, in verse 5, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. We've already seen this referenced at the beginning of chapter 3. John the Baptist is a, is a type of this forerunner who came in the power of Elijah, as we see in Matthew 11. I think it's clear as you look here at verse 5 that there is another coming like Elijah. There is another coming to call his people back to repentance. Notice the next phrase, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. As John came as the forerunner to Christ at his first coming, so this second Elijah, whether it's Elijah himself or someone else coming in the power of Elijah, will come to call the people before the second coming, the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And so what's the responsibility of the people here in verse 5? Verse 4 and 5. Verse 4, be faithful. Verse 5, look for His coming. Listen to Him now. Be faithful now and look for Him. For He will come. The the great and dreadful day of the Lord is coming. I've already described that. But there's still hope. Before he comes, there is one who is coming who will call you back. Listen to him. Be faithful now and look for his coming. Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes up. Pay attention. This one will have a successful ministry. Verse 6, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. It's intergenerational reconciliation. It's interesting because as you work your way through the Old Testament, what is one thing that we see time after time after time? One generation may fear the Lord. What does the next generation do? They don't fear the Lord. That's the case even here in Malachi. Just a generation or two before, they had, they had built the temple. They'd re- returned from exile. They were excited about what the Lord was doing and, and they were faithful to Him. They feared him, and yet here we are, and we've fallen this far away. 
in just one or two generations. And yet there's hope here. Be faithful and go forward in hope, looking for His coming. His coming will bring reconciliation between generations. It will bring hope. As I come and strike the earth with the curse, I am coming. And that's the call that Malachi ends with. I am coming. Brothers and sisters, I would remind you this morning that He is coming. See, the question this morning is not will He come, but when He comes, will you be ready? Will you face His wrath? Or will you face His mercy? Or His healing shine upon you as the sun of righteousness rises? Christ offers hope. See, we have the privilege today as the church to look back to His first coming as God sent His only begotten Son born of a virgin to die on the cross for our sins, to bear our penalty. We're all sinners. We deserve death. For each and every one of our sins, we deserve eternal separation from God in hell. We deserve the total destruction and ruin as described here in Malachi 4. We shouldn't have hope. Yet God so loved us that He sent His Son. He gave us hope. He paid our penalty. And all we have to do is trust in Him. And so as Malachi challenged the people of Israel in this day, so I challenge us. The Lord is coming. Will you stand before Him as judge? Or will you stand before Him you stand before God one day as your Father. As Malachi served as a wake-up call to God's people, so this morning it stands as a wake-up call to us, His church. Brothers and sisters, wake up. He is coming. The thing about Malachi that is so applicable to us today is, is, is the time. They grew weary because it had been so long since God made the promises and they weren't seeing fruition from those promises. And so they began to question God. And so it's been a long time for us. Over 2,000 years ago, He made a promise, I am coming again. Where is He? It can be easy to grow weary 
to start to question, to wonder, does this have any application to me today? It does. Because He is still God, and He is still coming, and He is still faithful. And so what is our responsibility in light of His coming? It's to do the things that He has called us as the church to do. To be faithful. To make disciples. First, if you've never believed, it's to believe. That's your responsibility. Place your faith in Christ alone. Be saved from your sins. But once you do that, make disciples. Be faithful. Love one another. Stand as an ambassador for Christ. Your responsibility until He comes is to be faithful and to look for His coming. To live each and every single day in light of His coming. The question this morning is, are you ready? Are you ready? I think the application, the the thrust, what, what Malachi should lead us to do is to sit down and to reevaluate our lives in the coming of Christ. Because He is coming. This day is coming. And you will stand before God and you need to sit down and reevaluate your life. If you were, in all honesty, living each and every day in light of that coming day, what would that look like? That's not for me to answer. That's for you to answer. That's for you to be honest with yourself and to look at your life and reevaluate each and everything that you do. And let this passage instill in you a healthy fear of the Lord. Let it be a shock, a wake-up call to call you back to faithfulness if you've been unfaithful. His plans have not changed. He has not changed. And He is coming. We're going to close with a song in Christ alone. Because that is our only hope on that day.